Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us on this Friday afternoon before the Labor Day weekend. I am psyched about the weekend, and um, I am psyched because Bill Newman, the multi-talented Bill Newman, is actually running the board because Dan is taking an unusually uh, unusual day off. Uh, Bill, you feel up to it? It's touch and go, but so far, so good, Buzz. Okay, all right. <laughs> if you hear silence, blame Bill. That's what we say. Are, are we actually on the air right now? We are actually we are on the air. Actually, okay, yes. Okay. Right. Chaos <laughs> reigns. <laughs> uh, that was the voice of Jeff Napolitano. He's here with a great guest, but I first wanted to start off, and maybe I'll start off talking to you, Jeff. I, uh, I was a front, I was so um, gratified that yesterday President Biden... Uh, in Independence Hall in Philadelphia, made what I think was um, maybe the most presidential speech of his presidency. People keep talking about it as a political uh, statement, political maneuver. I really found it just the opposite. I found that the President of the United States was um, defending uh, his, the country which he has sworn to uh, protect and the Constitution he has sworn to uphold against a series of threats that um, that are as dire as we've had in quite a long time. I think it, he was doing his job masterfully. I think that uh, he by calling out those MAGA Republicans, those Make American Great Again, uh, Trump, Trumpian Republicans. Um, and Trump by name. And Trump by name. I think that he was doing what President of the United States should be doing, which is... Uh, alerting us to a dire threat and saying, look, it's just before, it, it's not politics, this is, go and vote, but vote for somebody who doesn't want to see the destruction of the country that we all say that we love. Yeah, so uh, I, I have a, I have an opinion about this, but I also want to... Jeff has an opinion? Inter- yes, that's a, it's and remarkable. Before, before he gives it, we should note the time and date. Jeff Napolitano <laughs> might say something nice about President Joe Biden. It's yeah, just possible. Sure. Yeah. I am waiting with bated breath. And, sure. and I just want to point out that Bill Newman has his thumb on the dump button. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did He did get rid of... Uh, well, he hasn't quite, but he did announce that, you know, I can get rid of 10 grand of my student loan debt uh, last week. So there's, you know, that's... that's that's a plus. tough, Jeff. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, uh, but before I get into my opinion, I want to introduce, because he might have an opinion as well, Baradana, who is from the, uh, formerly of the Gazette, uh, and he's here to talk about the fact that he just left the Gazette and is on to bigger and better things. We will get to that in a minute, but if you have an opinion about this, then you feel free to express it. Well, <laughs> well, it's uh, great to be here. I, I would say bigger and better more than bigger and different. Um, I loved my uh, five, it would have been five years of the Gazette on the 5th. Um, but, you know, I've been, a, I'm 34 years old. I've been a jur- newspaper journalist since I was uh, 23. And so I haven't had political rights in 11 and a half years, with, except for a brief time when I was unemployed and wasn't know if I was going back into the industry or not. Um, but yeah, in terms of... Yeah, in ter- but in in terms of you know the President Biden's remarks, I haven't seen the speech yet. Um, a number of people who I respect though have uh, responded favorably to it. Okay, okay, I saw and- the speech. I, I saw the speech. All right, <laughs> but so- I, I I will say this though that you know having covered politics for a long time, the general democratic attitude of taking Republican intransigence and trying to like go above it, so to speak, when they go low, we go high, does not fucking work. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> does not work. <laughs> okay. Sorry. 
Anyways. So what we could, what I would say about this speech. Wait, are we on? What I would say about this speech is that, um, yes, it was a good speech, but he should have given it a year and a half ago, and he did throw in some political stuff about you know how great the Democrats are doing, how the economy is booming, and yada, 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 and so on and so forth. Um, and so I think that if he had just kept the, well, first of all, if he had given this a, a year and a half ago, like you know March, April in 2021, that would have been a, the better time to do it. Um, but also the fact that he uh, threw in this stuff about, because there was a little bit about like the midterms are coming and you know you should vote for people who support democracy. Uh, uh, he didn't have to include that part. The rest of it, calling out Trump, calling out the MAGA Republicans, that's all fine. That's all great. Um, it's just that the fact that he's doing it, you know, 90 days before the midterms is a little bit of a problem. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad he called out Trump. I think that he... He could have brought some more information. Um, the, the I was talking about this with my friend, and I think that maybe part of the reason for the the proximity of or th the timing of the announcement is that we might expect something from the Department of Justice in the next week or two, and this was his way of sort of bolstering because he did make a point of saying in the FBI, "Hey, the FBI um, is um, not your enemy." Republicans are going after law enforcement, blah, 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 blah. And so maybe that was part of what foreshadowing about what we could see in the future, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, none of us can really know, can we? But yeah. I, I think that, you know, in regards to, I have absolutely no problem couching it as not necessarily political, not pandering, to say don't vote for those people who want to destroy the republic that you say that you love. Yeah. Yeah. Vote for those people who have done something for people. And these are the kinds of things that we've done and all they've done is tear things down. I don't have any problem with that. Yep. And what I have, the one thing that you said that I really do agree with is uh, that it should have been done a long time ago. Name calling is okay if it's really dire, yeah. you know? It's, it's not like the way Trump name calls. He'll, right, no, of course. You know, he'll... Right. Uh, right. Anyway, but yeah, and uh, as I was also saying uh, before, I forgot that I'm on broadcast radio, uh, and hopefully that nothing was broadcast that was not <laughs> appropriate. Hopefully, I hit the dump button in time. Hopefully, hopefully, and but don't say it. Please don't say it again. I, of course, <laughs> not, of course. But as I was uh, saying, but, but as I was saying beforehand, um, you know, having seen things for a while, this trying to go above the fray um, doesn't particularly work in current American discourse, if it really ever has. If, you know, that the best, it makes people who already agree with you feel a little good about themselves, and it makes, and uh, at worst, it makes you feel, it makes people who disagree with you feel like, you know, you're being smug. Actually, um, I, I think, think that's, it's, a, that's a, a really strong comment, and I agree with it. I, I think there's times to be, you know, prudent and polite, but in politics, I want somebody to be honest and tell us what's really going on, and, and to their critique to be an honest critique of yep. what they see that's wrong. Yep. We've just been witnessing wrong for seven years. The most interesting thing to me about Joe Biden is, is, is that, and this is someone who, you know, like, did not vote for him in the primary and such, and did not have high hopes for his presidency whatsoever, is, is that even though he is not perfect by any means, 
as time has gone on, I have been surprised by the number of things he actually does seem to believe in. And again, you know, that's not by much, but no, as someone who like went through eight years of the Obama presidency, where it was essentially saying nice things and not going hard after Wall Street and not even codifying the social policies that, you know, clearly believed in, but didn't think it was good enough to like, you know, pass and codify Roe v. Wade when you had those majorities. Um, it has, again, I was not expecting to ever be impressed by Joe, President Joe Biden, but I do think that even though they are like moderate, mild um, American Democratic bedrocks, it's still weird after the 90s and after the Obama presidency to actually have someone like standing up for like what the Democrats say they believe in the mild form. It's, it's, a, it's, it's bizarre. But again, just like the bare and I don't think people should necessarily accept the bare minimum. But that it is refreshing, I think, says a lot about where we've been and where our discourse has been. Yeah. So, Jeff. Yes. You wanted to talk reportage. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, this week, uh, two Gazette reporters, which constitutes approximately, what, 90% of the reporting from the Gazette. Uh, <laughs> I might be overstating it. You uh, are. But Barra and Dusty Christensen, um, who was going to be here, but uh, has dad duty at the moment, um, uh, announced that they are both leaving the uh, Daily Hampshire Gazette. And so um, I thought it would be a good conversation to talk about uh, what... I mean, I have a, I've had a bunch of questions about sort of the inside <laughs> scoop, uh, and, and particularly about the latest contract that Gazette employees have, and uh, particularly the salary stuff, um, because I think people would be shocked to hear about it. But um, but but let's start about what's 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 next in terms of, uh, and we'll we'll ask Dusty when we get him on the show. But um, how how did your the your next opportunity come about, Vera? Well, I mean, my next my next opportunity came about um, because you know I was had my feelers out and I had some applications and then um, you know I I got a great interview and it's a wonderful fit. Um, but before we go do it, I will say that you know I have the privilege of being someone who's worked for one many ways has been a dream job and then getting to work for another dream job. So uh, you know at the Gazette, uh, I myself and Dusty and a number of other people helped to unionize our newsroom and then as a part of that. In around 20, I want to say 2019, well, it was 2019, uh, I started doing work for the News Guild when I wasn't working for the Gazette as a part-time job, helping other uh, places in the country uh, organize. Um, and, there's, and so I actually built up a pretty strong organizing resume. There's six other shops uh, across the country that are unionized in part because of my efforts. So... Um, I found that I really liked that work in addition to just liking doing the work on leading the Gazette's union as the unit council chair, negotiating our contract, which I'm very proud um, well, proud of and that we were able to uh, get unanimously ratified um, last year in December. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to really apply for anything else until I knew that my fellow workers had a contract. And once they did, I started going at applications and being interested in going to organizing full time. And uh, I ended up getting a job with uh, NABE at CWA, which is the uh, Communication Workers of America sector. Um, the News Guild is a sector of CWA as well um, that represents newspaper reporters and nonprofits primarily. NABE represents television, radio, and broadcast workers. And uh, I'm going to be the uh, lead organizer for them nationwide um, in terms of being dedicated. If you want to organize any of those sectors, a union, you would uh, reach out to NABIT and they would connect you with, me, with myself. And at some point I will 
can also share my contacts because, you know, wherever you are in the country, whether it's Alabama, South Carolina, Holyoke, if you work in those uh, industries, um, just reach out to me and uh, I can help you to set up a union at your shop. If you do the work, you will get a union. Um, I know that's a bold thing to say, but I've seen it a number, I've seen it multiple different times. I mean, we, we've seen it a lot. Uh, you know, nationwide. I mean, it's not just Starbucks, right? That's that this is happening with. No, it's no, not, you yeah. see it in Trader, you see Trader, Trader Joe's, Joe's you yeah, right here. Cinema, and you know, there's definitely challenges and uh, challenges and issues up. But it, right now, it's a really favorite. And the News Guild has like more than 150 shops, including ours, that unionized in like over a five year period. So in many ways, like we preceded even like the Starbucks wave. Um, but I'll say it's a very good time right now in many ways because people of my generation. I'm 34 years old. I'm definitely in the cringe millennial demographic smack in the middle, but the kids who are coming up behind us, uh, the Zoomers and such, um, are as well, both of us are very pro-union. And I think as a whole, in general, I think one of the main reasons is that especially in places like journalism right. and nonprofits, uh, you know, you keep on being told, you know, like you should be grateful to have a job. It's a privilege to have a job. And then you're basically stuck. And uh, the only way you can advance is, you know, moving jobs or, you know, or leaving your sector. And so it's like, well, you know, if we don't have job security, then uh, why don't we unionize and try to get some? So yeah. and, I think and, that that's been happening quite a lot for and that reason. But right before we take a break of and course. come back, I will – somebody should mark this down. I will actually compliment the Biden administration again in saying that the NLRB under the Biden administration has actually been – Beyond my expectations. Straight fire. Yeah. Absolutely straight fire. So what's happening in the support that the NLRB, um, the National Labor Relations Board, um, which oversees worker rights uh, and uh, unionization and so on and so forth, has actually done a much, they've actually uh, overperformed in terms of of what I was expecting. So we're here with Barra Dunnow. We are going to take a break and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Hey everyone, Gordon Oliver here, and if you don't know me, I'm the host of the weekly Saturday show, The Cambridge Connection, on WHMP.com and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. For the last year, I've been privileged to connect you, our listeners, with experts from a variety of financial industries and organizations that offer assistance and education to help everyone become more financially fit. See you on Saturday. Join Brent Hines, Executive Director of the Foundation for Financial Wellness, because being financially well is a source of power, contentment, and peace. The Three County Fair. Let's get cotton candy. The Great Late Summer Fair. The school bus demo derbies are insane. Labor Day weekend in Northampton. So many free concerts. You going? Never miss the fair. The Three County Fair. Free parking this year? The racing pigs are so cute. Summer's not over yet. Are you kidding? Hot air balloon rides? Mom's apple pie won first place. What do you go for? The rides. The games. The food. The Great Late Summer Fair. The Three County Fair. Labor Day weekend in Northampton. Hello, I'm Hampshire County Sheriff Patrick Haling, and I'm a Democratic candidate for sheriff focused on progressive community-based programming. I'm running for re-election this year. I've been your sheriff for six years, and I love the work I do because I help people to be productive members of the community. Please remember to vote for me on September 6th. Learn more by visiting our Facebook page or website, klaneforsheriff.com. Thank you. Paid for by the committee to elect Patrick J.K. Helene. There are farm fresh eggs just around the corner and beef across town. Local food is all around. 
It's a connection to your community, to the land and the people. There's a handy guide to the farm fresh food all around you, the local hero guide on the CISA website. You never know how close you are to something good for dinner tonight, something harvested just this morning. CISA's local hero guide, your guide to farm fresh food, on the CISA website, buylocalfood.org. After three straight months of declines, consumer confidence, as measured by the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence Index, rose significantly in August. Falling gas prices may have helped, but economists say consumers still face high inflation and a slowing job market. Is it too early to start holiday shopping? Not according to Walmart. The discount retail chain has unveiled its 2022 top toy list over a month earlier than its 2021 release date. With rapidly rising prices, Walmart says it wants to help shoppers get ahead of the inflation curve. The D.F. Stauffer Biscuit Company is recalling 44-ounce packages of Market Pantry White Fudge Animal Cookies that were sold at Target. The product may contain pieces of metal wire. The product bears a Best Buy date of February 21, 2023, and comes in a bear-shaped plastic jug. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back to the program. We are with Jeff Napolitano. Every couple of weeks brings us a good thing to consider. And today he's brought us the uh, Gazette reporter, Baradunow, who's departing from the Gazette in order to do some uh, union organizing work. So, Barra, my question uh, before I turn it over to Jeff is, um, I'm a lawyer. A lot of lawyers, it's a calling more than mm. a job. A lot of reporters, it's a calling. It's a mission. Mm. Um, how, how does what you're going into equate in that regard to what you're coming from? Well, that's a very good question. Um, it's funny. I went into journalism because I thought that was how I'd be able to uh, make money writing for a living. Um, I say, <laughs> it's like, so I'm a Hampshire College graduate, and I was a creative writing major there. I took one journalism course, but Hampshire teaches you uh, to write and write on deadline and to research. It's we actually get a number of people going to journalism for there, whether they studied it or not. And, you know, I'm a farm kid from upstate New York, and I went back home, and I was like, yeah, I guess that's how I'll make money. So I freelanced, and then I got into a newsroom in the Berkshires, and then I did it for more than 11 years. Um, so I did the old-fashioned way and such, and I did for I stayed in journalism for two reasons. One, I like writing for a living. Um, I'm passionate about telling stories. But two, the thing that kept me a lot longer than I normally would have is kind of a sense of mission and that, like, I like being, I really like being the guy in a community where like, you know, if you need your story heard, if your know, voice needs to be amplified. Um, I'll tell it. Again, I'll tell it, exactly. It's always been more service interested to me. I've never really been interested in like, oh, I'm going to get this big sexy story that's going to get me out here and stuff, et cetera. It's always been about community service. That's why honestly, like for the most part, once I got to the Gazette, which was a place that I wanted to, to get to, um, from a bit earlier in my career and reporting in the Pioneer Valley, which is a place that I've wanted to live for a very long time. Um, it was, I didn't really have a ton of ambitions to go further because I just wanted to continue to serve people and serve. So how does that mission to serve people I mean, translate you know, into your new gig? To, to, to quote one of my uh, favorite slogans, you know, the cause of labor is the hope of the world. Um, the fact of the matter is, is, is that, uh, you know, where I've sought my own work, 
when we organized our workers here, and we organized wall to wall, you know, we include uh, include and include everybody who's a worker at the Gazette, that that made the differences in people's lives. It made that even when we had layoffs, people were able to retire and maintain their health care during the pandemic. Um, you know, like it gave people a greater sense of a dignity and uh, agency over their work. And uh, I found that I was not only enjoyed seeing the results of that, but I was fair, that I was fairly good at it, that I was able to bring people together, that I was able to talk well in man- meetings with management and my fellow and my fellow workers, and that I was able to get people to believe in themselves. And really what union organizing is at the fundamental, the best way of it, the, what the school that I was taught and I subscribed to, is you get people to believe in themselves and their own power, that, you know, that they, if they work together with their fellow man, man woman, or non-binary comrade, can actually make the world a better place and can have some control over their lives that you are not useless that you are that you are a human being and so yeah like, wow, i want that on my tombstone <laughs> so yeah that's to me you know the same things i fought for as a journalist in terms of like making sure that everybody was treated fairly and able to get their get their voice heard um that's why i'm going to try to make sure people have in their workplaces so so barra do now from yes. formerly of the gazette yes um last day was the 31st <laughs> right so i think one of the things that might drive this home and might surprise some of the listeners is uh, the terms of the the contract, yeah. um, and in in particular the salary. Uh, and can you talk about uh, in two thousand just last year, you, uh, the your union signed a contract, and what do the salary bands look like for workers, like a starting salary for uh, somebody at the Gazette? So before that, I do want to say that the main thing that we focused in on on our contract was a lot of stuff around job security. We'd had, we'd had throughout the pandemic, bad layoffs. We lost our press department and our distribution, which were within our thing. And so we wanted to ensure that we had strong layoff protections. You know, if anybody gets laid off from the Gazette going forward, mm-hmm. which no one has since 2020, they get three months of fully paid health care, which is something that hardly anybody, I don't, I don't know of any other contract, even legacy ones that have things like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, also we got our jurisdiction in such a way that makes it very difficult to outsource work, particularly work like circulation work, mm-hmm. which is like v- potentially very vulnerable. That is pretty much ironclad protected under our contract. Sure. But, you know, in, ex- in, so although that was our focus, that meant that, you know, we needed that, you know, wages were important and we needed to get a cert- to a certain level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was more important, I think, to us that, you know, we have that level of job security before we structurally change everything in terms of wages. So mm-hmm. the good news and what we talked about is, is that we got, you know, a 3%, we got a 3% raise for this year, for people on their anniversary dates, yep. um, I never saw that because my anniversary date dates September fifth, and then a two percent raise the next year, and then a five hundred dollars okay. sign. So, price. how much does a starting reporter at the Gazette make? But unfortunately, the minimum starting salary, and they generally have to pay more now, is fifteen dollars and forty five cents an hour. And when I left after this is after five years, after coming in at thirty five thousand dollars a year in twenty seventeen, uh, I was making eighteen dollars and twenty one cents an hour, and that was after you know, each year I got a 2% raise. So like I was still, and so that's why I talk about changing the fundamentals is, is that our bases are so low that, you know, we're all, most of us are making in the, in the mid to high thirties in terms of reporters. And uh, yeah, and that's also unfortunately goes across into circulation and into most, uh, most everything else as well too. There's okay. some people who are making in the forties because yep. they've been in 20, there for 20 years. Well, to be honest, that to me above, Everything else sort of indicates uh, the dedication and what you're willing to do in order to do the pretty commendable job uh, in the the news that so many people in this area rely upon. And, and then so, Bland 
Demanding. And demanding. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and, and to be fair, so because there, there's, there's a lot of stuff involved in this. Uh, this. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that, like, if I didn't care about work, uh, my, uh, if I didn't care about serving people and serving my community, um, I would not have stayed at a job that's just a few dollars more than above minimum wage. And I think that my fellow workers who are continuing that job deserve more than that for, for right absolute on. certain. I think that's definitely the case. Jeff? Vera right. Dunau deserves our thanks. Yep. Five years of reporting on our region that uh, was admirable and obviously a function of your commitment to helping people. Of course. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. You've done it again. See you in a couple of weeks. Yep. Another good thing. Thank you all. So we are going to be back. With, there is a storytelling project. It is a collaboration between the University of Massachusetts and Northampton Neighbors. We're going to be back with Professor... Gloria DeFulvio, right after these messages. Do stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The White House Conference on Food, Nutrition, and Hunger will take place on September 28th. Congressman Jim McGovern has been a driving force in getting this done. It has the potential to be transformational. The way we need to look at this is the conference is not the end. It really is the beginning of multiple conversations amongst various agencies, also with the private sector and the nonprofit sector, to figure out a holistic way to put a roadmap together that will end hunger and nutrition insecurity in this country. The conference will bring government leaders, academics, activists, and Americans from all walks of life together to achieve the goal of ending hunger in the U.S. by 2030. This will be the first conference of this kind in more than 50 years. Holyoke Ward 2 Councilor Wilmer Polomota has been expelled from the city council. The announcement was made at the start of yesterday's special meeting. Mass Live reports that Polomota said he did not resign and plans to take legal action against the city. Polomota, who returned to the council last week, faces criminal charges in Rhode Island, including a child pornography charge. Before his return, he spent 90 days in the Rhode Island Adult Correctional Facility for violating bail conditions. A case of monkeypox has been detected in Western Mass. Health officials say they were only notified about the case 48 hours ago. According to the Quabbin Health District, the person infected with the virus is doing well and is keeping in touch with the Mass Department of Public Health. This is the first time their district, which covers the towns of Pelham, Belchertown, and Ware, has seen a monkeypox case. Sunny this afternoon, a high of 78 to 82. Nice night tonight. Evening temperatures in the 70s and 60s to low of 48 to 54. Sun cloud mixed tomorrow, a high of 80 to 84. Low to mid 80s on Sunday. Watch out for a scattered shower in the afternoon. Rain likely on Monday. I'm 22 News Storm Team Meteorologist Brian Lapis, 101.5 WHMP. If you shoot a mime, should you use a silencer? We'll explore this and other profound questions when we speak with one of the funniest people on the face of the earth, Stephen Wright, plus Attorney John Pucci on Donald Trump's travails, and I'll tell you how I voted, I think, Tuesday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. In the late 30s, they started singing together at the Alabama Institute for the Negro Blind. In the 40s and 50s, they spread their gospel across the Jim Crow era South. You gotta keep the devil down in the hole. In the 60s, they shaped the sound of the civil rights movement. 
singing at events with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. On September 16th, they'll be singing at UMass. Going up to the spirit in the sky. The Blind Boys of Alabama, Friday, September 16th at UMass Amherst. Over 80 years of gospel. Along the way, teaming up with Stevie Wonder, Lou Reed, and Prince. Get tickets now at the UMass Fine Arts Center website and get ready. The Blind Boys of Alabama will raise the roof on the Frederick C. Tillis Performance Hall, Friday, September 16th at UMass Amherst. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the afternoon buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And hello, thank you for joining us, those who have been with us. Um, thank you for continuing to stay with us. Uh, we, uh, I'm excited to hear about this project that's going on. It's a collaboration between the University of Massachusetts and Northampton Neighbors, and uh, with us in the studio here is Professor Gloria DeFulvio. Hello, Professor. Hi, nice to be here today. Oh, thank you for coming. So, and you have uh, a couple of your colleagues that I are going to be joining us, right? I do. Um, Bert Liebman is here, who is um, from Northampton Neighbors, and McKenna Meager is on the phone. She is a s- former student, um, alumni now. Uh-huh, she's an alum now. <laughs> So tell us about the storytelling project. Sure. Um, this is part of a class that I teach. I, um, I direct the uh, public health uh, major at UMass, and um, this is part of a class that I teach called The Epidemic of Loneliness on Social Connection, Belonging, and Public Health. And as part of that class, um, I link students who are mostly juniors and seniors to um, volunteers from Northampton Neighbors. And they meet over the course of a semester, build relationship, and um, at the end, uh, do a little story sharing with each other and record a story um, that's up to them what they want to talk about. Um, But it's a nice little um, uh, piece of the class to understand the way in which story connects people together. Is that the mission? The purpose is to focus on the way to which story connects brings people together the the mission um well there's there's several missions (laughs) one of the missions is to to um, teach students about the importance of addressing social isolation um, in the field of public health so there's that we we do a lot of um, talk about ways in which communities are disconnected for a variety of reasons Um, and then another piece of it is to look at the role of story in building that connection and in this case, intergenerationally. So having um, people across generations talk to each other and hear about how they um, deal with different issues in their own life and how they think about community in, in uh, their own worlds. Are the enrollees largely public health majors? They are public health majors. Anybody other than public health majors who takes the class? Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> but it gets filled up really quickly, and, uh, and uh, it... Our majors get to enroll first. Roberta Liebman, thank you for joining us today. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Most people call me Bert. 
Bert, okay, I will call you Bert. Please call me Buzz. So tell us about Northampton Neighbors first. What is Northampton Neighbors? Oh, it's an extraordinary organization here in Northampton, but <clears throat> similar organizations are spreading across the country where people are gathering together, mainly over 55, and recognizing they can help each other, first of all. They can gather together in all kinds of social ways. We had a huge picnic at Look Park this week, and it was 200 people came. Wow. <laughs> but there are groups that get together about books, about gardening. There's a, a fig group, food interest group. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there are ways that people volunteer to help each other. You know, it can be feeding the dog. It can be watering some plants while you're away. For me, it's often extremely helpful to have a ride. Um, I walked here today, but if I wanted to go to the picnic, there was a volunteer, another member, who wanted to go to the picnic, and we all went together. So Northampton is unusual in that many communities across the country, and you may have remembered when these started, was called Beacon Hill Community, and that spread. But most of them require a membership fee. Northampton is amazing. There are over a thousand members and it's free. So people from everywhere in the city can join. Does Gloria's, the phrase which she coined and just shared with our listeners, this pandemic of loneliness notion, mm -hmm. or ep I think... Epidemic. Epidemic, she said. Forgive yeah. me, I got pandemic in my brain. Um, epidemic of loneliness. Does that resonate for you, that, that phrase? Sure, and Northampton neighbors thought about that from the beginning. As soon as our services pretty much shut down because we couldn't gather and we couldn't give rides and we couldn't do much else, <clears throat> phone calls began going out weekly. How are you doing? You know, did you need someone to talk to, whatever? Or walking groups, everything. People were incredibly aware of how difficult it could be to be alone in an epidemic and not able to do much for um, to solve that for yourself. So yeah, Northampton Neighbors was, has been thinking about that from the beginning. So Professor Gloria DeFulvio, does, do your students relate to these over 55 group in a way that you expected them to when you first thought about this project? Um, it actually has been amazingly better than when I first thought of this project, and I actually would love to have McKenna speak to that if she can. McKenna is joining us on the phone, and um, please I think she might be able we to. We have say a McKenna Meager. Is that how you pronounce your last name? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. McKenna. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit to that. Um, I think that when I signed up for this class uh, just about a year ago in the spring of 2021. I really didn't know what to expect, and when Gloria sent out the email just kind of explaining the concept of the course and the different aspects of it, I was most intrigued by this connection piece with people that were outside of the university. I feel like that's a really different and unique aspect to this class, um, and I wasn't sure what to expect, and as we all kind of, I was in the first group that uh, piloted this class, and so as we all kind of learned together throughout this process, I was absolutely amazed, especially because a lot of the connection was over Zoom. Some of my um, classmates met their matches in person, but mostly it was over Zoom. I was amazed at how 
seamlessly um, it transitioned and how willing everyone was to be involved in un- not uncomfortable conversations, but personal and intimate conversations that you might not just talk about with, you know, some someone you cross on the street or something like that. Um, but my match specifically, we got to talk about a lot of different facets of our lives, and I was really amazed at how um, effortless it really was. That really sounds profound. So talk about the storytelling notion that you have. Yeah. So um, part of building community um, can involve a lot of different things, but the notion of being able to listen to somebody and have someone listen to you about something that matters to you is something that really builds empathy and connection. Um, and, And people from different walks of life, in this case, different generations, can find shared values and shared connection through that. And so that's why that piece became an important element for me when I was thinking about how to bring people together. Um, And so um, we have these stories now um, edited down to a few minutes. um, And even though they talk for some 30 minutes together, um, so that other people can listen to um, important stories in people's lives. Bert, do you hear, do you feel heard when you talk to these students? Do you feel like they're really understanding the story that you're telling? Oh, yes, and, and the exchange is wonderful. Um, I think, for me, it, it was listening to this, my student's story because it seemed so profound and clearly had changed her life and will continue to have an impact on her life onward. Um, and it made me think... The story she told was about having a wonderful mentor throughout high school and who had stayed in contact. And I thought, my goodness, why doesn't every student have this? Um, it was so important to her life, and it changed so much of her life that it made me think about um, students' lives in a different way. But it, isn't it kind of axiomatic? The, 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 we all think that useful people can't possibly understand what it's like that they're going to grow old as well, that they're going to become <laughs> enfeebled like the rest of us. And older people sort of um, always make assumptions about younger people and their inability to, inability to understand the world and their naivete and what's about to happen as they march. How, how do you transcend that in these communications that you're talking about, Gloria? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, it, someone has used the word, it's, it's been like magic. <laughs> and there has been an element of magic to, to this. Um, um, the, I, you know, the students and, and I in the classroom work a lot to um, talk about the role of story, the importance of story, the importance of listening, that everyone has a story. McKenna may speak to this, but um, oftentimes students don't feel like they have anything. I've only lived 19 years or 20 years. I don't have anything to add, but, but in fact they do, and that story resonates for the neighbor, and, um, and then they learn a lot about what it was like to live 30, 40 years ago at their age, right? So, McKenna, what about that? What did you learn through this experience? Um, I think that Gloria kind of hit on a feeling I had and a feeling I shared with a lot of my classmates of not knowing exactly what part of my story I wanted to share. And even if I had much of a story to share at, at 22, um, but when I was talking with my neighbor, uh, we had food in common. We both loved to cook. Uh, and so we got to talk about that a lot. 
And something that really surprised me, and it took it took my interview that we recorded and ended up being kind of my soundbite. Um, I did gymnastics competitively for a lot of years uh, in my childhood, and my match really um, appreciated hearing about this. And uh, it, it's been something I haven't been involved in in a few years now, and you know, wasn't necessarily something I considered. Oh, let me talk talk this through too much, but it was something that she really fixated on and had a lot of questions about. And so when I did my recorded interview, we focused on that. And I think that for me, it almost ended up being a moment of reflection on something I, like I said, I hadn't thought about in a long time and that I don't really characterize as myself anymore, but it allowed me to call my mom and say, you know, thank you so much for all you did for me and supporting oh. that dream that I had. And that, that aspect of my life is so special. And like I said, I don't revisit it often, but it was really special to be able to revisit it and for my match to ask me questions that I never would consider sharing. Cause I, like I said, I don't talk about it often. So I think for me, that was a really special part of the project to be able to call my family after and say, thank you. And to also just revisit some of those memories and some of the things that really shaped who I am and how I see the world now. Powerful. Our son is coming up with his family for the weekend. He better say thank you to me this weekend. <laughs> We're going to take a break. We're here talking about the storytelling project, the collaboration between Northampton Neighbors and the University of Massachusetts, bringing people together. It's a great project. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5-1400-1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Do you know what's going on in business in Western Mass? You do if you read Business West. Find out which companies are growing, which companies are innovating. Learn about people on the move, people taking the lead. Every issue of Business West is packed with business news, including incorporations, building permits, real estate transactions, and bankruptcies. Pick up a copy or read Business West online. The vital business news is in Business West, the business journal of Western Mass. State Street Fruit Store. What the heck is a fruit store anyway? Well, State Street opened in Northampton in the 1920s as a fruit store, selling local fruit and other produce from the valley. And even though State Street has grown to be much more deli, wines, spirits, they are still a fruit store. And right now, State Street and their sister store, Cooper's Corner in Florence, are buried in berries, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, schnozberries. Okay, they don't have any schnozberries, but they've got every other kind of local berry going. State Street, Fruit Store, and Cooper's Corner have always offered produce, picked by our Connecticut River Valley neighbors as soon as, and as long as, they're available. So come get fruit at a fruit store. Northampton has always been a fruity place. We are what we eat. State Street, Fruit Store, in Northampton, and Cooper's Corner, in even fruitier Florence. Northampton Neighbors is free of charge and open to all with a range of social and volunteer opportunities as well as services and support for members 55 and older in the city of Northampton. 
Need help? Want to help? Join us as a member, a volunteer, or donor. Northampton Neighbors is about more than aging in place. We're about engaging in place, this place. Find us online at northamptonneighbors.org or call us at 413-341-0160. For some kids, home isn't a safe place. And in these times, access to trusted adults like teachers and counselors is limited. I'm Kara McElhone, Executive Director of the Children's Advocacy Center of Hampshire County. Our mission is to prevent and end child abuse in our community by providing safety, healing, and justice. The Children's Advocacy Center is open in providing resources to children and caregivers throughout Hampshire County. Please visit us online at cachampshire.org or call 413-570-5989. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg. 101.5 WHMP. And we are back. We're talking about the storytelling project, the collaboration between Northampton Neighbors and University of Massachusetts. I want to first ask uh, McKenna Mager. She is a student. She's now an alum of the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, and congratulations for that. And she is 22, she tells us, which is, that's about 50 years younger than me. Um, I, I do remember 22, however. And my question for you, McKenna, is um, you're, whether it's in your career, the family that uh, you land with, what have you learned as a result of your participation in this project that you can carry with you? Um, well, let me tell you, this is definitively my most favorite class I ever took at UMass, and it is something I reflect on myself. And when people ask me, like, uh, there's been a lot of conversations in my life recently, obviously, upon graduating about the highlights of UMass, this is something inevitably comes up every time. And I think something I will take away from what I learned in this class and from my conversation with my match specifically um, is to be open to new ways of connection and new ways of communication. Um, I think we've all learned a lot in the past couple of years about evolving and, and you know, being open-minded to new ways. But I think this class really solidified that there is no right way to go about connecting with new people and um, even reconnecting with people in your life that you don't talk to as frequently. But um, that trying, trying different avenues and um, being open-minded to maybe Zoom or you know, letters or something. My match talked a lot about her communication with her daughter as she moved away from home. And that really resonated with me um, wanting to go to medical school and moving away hopefully soon um, for that journey. Like in my own life, being able to adapt and find new ways to stay connected to those I love and to connect with new people. And you, Bert, um, what do you think in the future? Has this project in any way uh, helped you resolve your own issues with loneliness, your own issues with this epidemic to people who are older. Do how do you how how do you learn from this to connect with other people in a way that you didn't know beforehand? Well, you know, we've all been separated from our family, and I have grandchildren that I didn't see for years. Um, we need to know what other generations are thinking about, how they see the world. I need to know that this country's in good hands. I'm, I'm 89 years old. I want to see what's going to happen next to, these, to this younger generation and to our country. But I want to understand my grandchildren better and to know the stresses on them. We're living in very different worlds, even though we think we're together. Um, we don't even 
we all think we're on the same internet, but we're not. I don't even look at the same websites they do. I don't read the same news they do. We need to listen to each other more. And this is a, a little lead in. It, the, certainly the students in Gloria's class helped me understand something of their reaction to the epidemic and of loneliness. Uh, Professor Gloria DeFulvio, it sounds like your project, your brainchild, if it was yours, is actually changing lives. Um, how are you going to sustain it? How are you going to get fresh blood, if yeah. you will? So the class fills up right away with students. That that side seems to take care of itself. Um, um, I'm so grateful for the relationship with Northampton Neighbors. We're, in fact, recruiting volunteers right now um, for this semester. And the thing I want to say about it is um, you don't have to identify as someone who's lonely. You could have a you, that could not be your experience at all. But this um, ability to come across and join with someone who is different than you is sort of the key here. The class teaches about disconnection and, and how to reconnect in various ways, but you don't have to have that experience yourself. Um, so so to, to say that, the other thing that happens in this class is um, if the volunteers want to, we read a book together um, the book is called Together, The Healing Power of Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World, written by the current um, Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murthy. And and so um, twice a year, volunteers come into the classroom, and there's small group discussions um, with the students and, and um, volunteers. And that's also another way to sort of talk about and think about um, how we can create a different world. So are you looking for... Fresh blood, new yes, people? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, you can uh, contact uh, Northampton Neighbors. I believe the email is info at northamptonneighbors.org, I think. Um, or you can contact me directly, which is gloria at umass.edu. Um, and I'm, we still need people. It's just Gloria? It's just Gloria. I've been there so long, I can just use Gloria. That's really good. <laughs> She's a prize winner, so you can see why she... You know, I'll tell you, my known. mom, my mom uh, is no longer with us. Her name is Gloria. And the reason why I mention her is when my dad died, it was a long time ago, 97, she died in uh, 2017. But when, when he died, she was despondent for about a year. And then she somehow connected with a theater group that had young kids in it. And they were taking, they were asking seniors to uh, be in plays Great. with these kids. My mom had never acted before. She had one ill-fated appearance in the pajama game once, I think, at a local community theater. But she, she um, was there with these kids, and it brought her back to life just working and running lines with the kids. It wasn't so much what happened on the stage, it was what happened in preparation for the production. And she said to to her last breath that that changed the whole trajectory That's of great. her. The intergenerational um, activities, there's a whole range of things that, that are happening. People living in community together, um, storytelling, et cetera, um, has a real impact and um, they're really important activities. So does storytelling mean just those stories that are the stories of our lives? Or if I'm a member of Northampton Neighbors and I wrote something, do I, can I share what the story that I want to share with Yeah, they, the stories are generated together over the 13 weeks of a semester. So they talk, 
They figure out what they want to talk about. They actually get a copy of that story, so you have a record of some important thing that you might want to share and leave um, to family members. We only have one minute. Uh, what do you want to leave people with, either one of you? Bert, what do you want to leave listeners with? Listen to the, the younger generation <laughs> talk. Let them know what you're thinking and try to understand what their fears are now. I think it's a frightening time for this younger generation, and they need to hear something else. McKenna, in 10 seconds, what would you like to lift, leave people with? Um, I think I shadow I shadow Bert with the comment of just being open-minded to others and being willing to share things in your life that have been meaningful to you and to truly listen to what has been meaningful in others' lives. And my final question is to you, Gloria. People who feel this level of loneliness who aren't in Northampton, mm -hmm. you have any recommendation for them? Yeah, there are councils on aging and senior centers and... Um, uh, you know, reaching out to organizations that are in your community. Um, there are lots of people who are willing to help. What a great place to leave it. There are lots of people who are willing to help. Loneliness is an epidemic. Let's do something about it. Everybody, it's going to be a long Labor Day weekend. Mm -hmm. I wish everybody, remember why we have a Labor Day celebration. We celebrate the workers that make this country what it is. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for Thank doing the storytelling project, all three of you, and everybody have a great weekend. Happy talk, keep talking, happy talk. Talk about things you'd like to do. This is the Afternoon you Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Minute Men football lives here. Olsen lofts it. Josiah Johnson, end zone, touchdown, Massachusetts. Merriweather, daylight, end zone, touchdown, Ellis Merriweather from eight yards out. Follow the action all season long on your home for Minute Men football. The UMass Sports Network from Learfield. Touchdown, Massachusetts. I grew up in a normal home in a normal town. All of a sudden, everything got crazy. I didn't talk to anybody Live about the way I was feeling. I was scared. Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. A Northampton Radio Group Station. It's